Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right. Hello, Las Vegas. Everybody else tuning in wherever you are on our SoundCloud or iTunes accounts listening to the podcast. This one I think will be fun. It'll be interesting to see the response that we get from people, (laughs) how this goes over. I don't know. I may never do anything like this again, but today's podcast is three reasons why I voted for Donald Trump. And yes, I have already voted. Nevada is an early voting state. I would encourage you, if you have not voted yet and you are in an early voting state, to go ahead and take advantage of that opportunity. So I wasn't going to do this podcast specifically, and I would like to point out from the get-go that I'm not telling you who you should vote for. I think that everyone should vote according to their values and what they think would best represent them and what they believe would be best for our country. What I am going to tell you is why I voted for Donald Trump. Three reasons. And the reason I've decided to do this is because I have seen a lot of people recently, especially on social media, saying that those who support President Trump, saying me, okay, that I would be blind, ignorant, that I'm following a man who lies to me and I'm too stupid to realize it, and that I couldn't actually be a Christian because the president says not a word of truth, which is in fact a lie in and of itself. And there is hatred being spewed at Trump supporters, hatred being spewed at me as a Trump supporter. Uh, by those who support Joe Biden as they shout from the rooftops, a.k.a. their social media feeds, that the worst thing about President Trump is how hateful he is. Which is ironic, considering all of the hate that they are saying about Trump supporters. So, here we go. You ready? In 2016, I quietly voted for Donald Trump. I didn't support him in the primary at all. I did not encourage others to vote for him in the general election. I believed, along with many other conservatives, that his character flaws were over the top, that the promises he made were at best mm, questionable, and that he had no record, absolutely zero record, to prove that he would do anything that he said, and that his friendships with ultra-liberals, Hollywoodites, and former, his former registration as a Democrat made him untrustworthy. And so I could not encourage other people to vote for him. I also did not think that he would actually appoint better Supreme Court justices than we would get if Hillary Clinton became president. I know that was a claim that many people made, but I had seen uh, no evidence to suggest that he was consistent in his lifestyle or the things that he said, or that Republican presidents in general have done a great job appointing Supreme Court justices. And so I I believe that voting for Trump would be uh, pretty much a waste because he had no chance to win because that's what I was told over and over again by the polls, particularly the ones in the last two weeks leading up to the election. It was impossible for Trump to win. There was no path to victory. So ultimately, while I didn't encourage others to vote for him, I encouraged everyone, as I do now, to vote their conscience and their values. But at the end of the day, the reason, the reason that I voted for Donald Trump in 2016 was to vote against Hillary Clinton. That was it. I knew the only possibility for Hillary not to win was if Trump did, so I made a decision that was incredibly difficult for me to make, but I voted for him in 2016, but it was more a vote against Hillary Clinton. 
Today I'm going to tell you why I'm voting, or why I have already voted in 2020 for Donald Trump. But before I tell you the reasons why I voted for him, let me clarify a few things. Because some things have not changed since 2016. I did not vote for Trump because I think that he has a stellar or Christian past. I did not vote for Trump because I think he's a good moral man. I did not vote for Trump because I think he's even a leader to emulate. I did not vote for Trump because I think that prideful, bombastic politicking is good for our country. And I did not vote for Trump because I always agree with him. Uh, none of those things would be accurate, and none of them are why I voted for him. And by the way, I think that Joe Biden is just as representative of each of the things that I just mentioned, or not representative of them, as President Trump, just so we're clear. So why did I vote for Donald Trump? Three reasons. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the reason, and then I'm going to give you supporting uh, evidence <laughs> for each reason, okay? First reason I voted for Donald Trump, main reason I voted for Donald Trump, in fact, is because of what he has done. Number one, because of what he has done. Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, Israel's capital is now recognized by the United States as Jerusalem, and that is where our embassy can be found. He has reached historic deals between Israel and the UAE and Bahrain, and just this past week, Sudan. Even Vox, Vox, pointed out that President Donald Trump announced Friday that Sudan has become the third country to normalize relations with Israel during the Trump administration, underscoring how the president's diplomatic efforts in the Middle East may prove to be the most significant foreign policy achievement of his first term. These deals are huge. These deals are Jimmy Carter level huge. In the first two years of his presidency, he created over 4 million new jobs. Unemployment, particularly among African Americans, women, youth, and minority groups, uh, was at a 49-year low. 3.9 million Americans came off of food stamps. And you might say, well, this is not true anymore. Look at the economy now. Well, if not for coronavirus, these numbers would have been even better. He opened Anwar and the Dakota and Keystone pipelines. Uh, he slashed a record number of regulations. He removed Obamacare's individual mandate. He signed right to try legislation. He increased our coal exports by 60%. He started building the wall. And he removed us from the ridiculous Paris Climate Accord. More? More things? More things that he has done? How about some family values type stuff? Let's go with that. By year. Uh, in 2017, President Trump reinstated and expanded the Mexico City policy, blocking funding for international organizations that perform or promote abortion. The Department of Education, in conjunction with the DOJ, rescinded President Obama's guidance that required public schools to allow transgender students to use bathrooms and showers of their choice. In May of 2017, President Trump signed an executive order promoting free speech and religious liberty known as the Religious Liberty Executive Order, broadly setting forth religious liberty as a policy priority of his administration. In 2018, the, the, the Department of Health and Human Services announced a new Conscience and Religious Freedom Division within its Office of Civil Rights, established to enforce federal laws that protect conscience rights and religious freedom. Uh, HHS also issued a new proposed regulation on conscious protections related to abortion and a regulation reversing the Title X family planning regulations implemented by President Clinton. That proposal restored the separation of abortion services from the federal uh, Title X family planning program, which was first instituted by Reagan. Also in 2018, the DOJ announced the Place to Worship initiative, which was designed to increase enforcement and public awareness of the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Person Act, which uh, protects places of worship and other religious uses of property. The State Department held its first ever Ministerial to Advance Religious Freedom 
uh, summit as political and civil society leaders from around the world gathered in Washington, D.C. for three days to discuss religious freedoms and freedom issues and solutions. Uh, the DOJ announced a religious liberty task force. The Trump administration uh, relied on Executive Order 13818 to sanction two Turkish officials over the detention of American pastor Andrew Brunson due to his Christian faith, which ultimately resulted in the pastor's release. HHS terminated a nearly $16,000 contract with Advanced Bioscience Resources to procure fetal tissue from aborted babies for research. That termination led to HHS announcing an audit of all acquisitions and research involving human fetal tissue to ensure consistency with statutes and regulations. HHS finalized two regulations to protect conscious and religious liberty uh, from the Obamacare contraceptive mandate and proposed a new regulation to address an abortion surcharge, which had been hidden in many plans purchased on Obamacare's uh, exchange. Um, and we could go on. Title X, then, as you know, uh, was changed. HHS also proposed a new regulation clarifying that discrimination on the basis of sex in Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act was to be interpreted under the plain meaning of the word, not gender identity or termination of pregnancy, as the Obama administration had set forth in 2016. In, uh, in 2019, after an audit into fetal tissue research, the Trump administration announced a major change in the enforcement of research contracts, and the Department of Health and Human Services no longer conducts uh, internal research using tissue from aborted babies, which is really a big win, I think, for those in the pro-life uh, movement. In September of 2019, President Trump hosted a meeting during the U.N. General Assembly and gave a speech solely on the topic of religious freedom and announced a U.S. policy initiative to protect places of worship, pledged an additional $25 million in funding to protect religious sites and relics, and announced that the United States would form a coalition within the business community to protect religious freedom. It was the first time a U.S. president had hosted a meeting focusing solely on religious freedom at the U.N. Also last year, President Trump signed the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act into law. This year, in January, the Department of Education and Justice issued guidance on constitutionally protected prayer and religious expression in public and elementary schools, ensuring that prayer in schools is properly protected and not unconstitutionally prohibited or curtailed. In January of this year, the Departments of Agriculture, Education, Homeland Security, Veterans Affairs, Justice, Labor, Health and Human Services, and Housing and Urban Development, as well as the U.S. Agency for International Development, all proposed rules leveling the playing field for faith-based organizations wishing to participate in grant programs or to become a contractor. These rules eliminated two requirements which were previously placed on faith-based organizations that were not placed on secular organizations uh, in previous administrations. Also in January of this year, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services approved a family planning waiver for Texas to implement a state-run Medicaid program that excludes abortion providers like Planned Parenthood. That made Texas the first state to receive Medicaid funding for a family planning program that does not include abortion providers. Also in January of this year, the president became the first ever sitting president to give remarks in person at the annual March for Life. In February, the Trump administration filled the role of special advisor to the president on international religious freedom within the National Security Council. This role was authorized by the International Religious Freedom Act of 1998, but has remained unfilled for over 20 years since the law's enactment. President Trump is the first president to dedicate a full-time staffer to this role and fill it on, on a permanent basis. 
During a State of the Union address this year, President Trump called on Congress to pass legislation that would ban late-term abortions. And I, I could go on and on and on. I have a huge list here. Let me see. Um, uh, you know what? I'm just going to summarize. I'm going to drop down to the end and summarize this. As of May of this year, the Trump administration had overseen the confirmation of 193 federal judges. Now we have three Supreme Court justices, 50 over 50 federal appeals court justices. Then you have uh, multiple other judicial confirmations for roles outside of the federal court system, meaning... As of this summer, the president had appointed uh, over 200 judges during his time in office. And an overwhelming number of those nominees have been constitutional originalists who interpret the law as written rather than interpreting it according to their own personal policy preferences. As judges, these nominees will rule correctly on religious liberty and pro-life issues, we hope. Uh... And uh, one other big thing he did this year, I know this year's accomplishments have been overshadowed by the coronavirus, but another big thing he did this year was in June, he issued an executive order to strengthen our foster care and adoption system, including uh, increasing partnerships with faith-based organizations for uh, care of children and the preservation of families. And there's a, there's a, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Those are some of the things that I really like. That's the number one reason why I voted for Donald Trump because of the things he has done. And if you want a very, very extensive list, if you want all the things, you can go to, uh, there's a couple different places that list them all out very well. You can go to promiseskept.com. The list there is staggering. It outlines accomplishments for every single month of the president's first term. Or you can go to frcaction.org. That's Family Research Council. And they have a, a list of things that the president and his administration have done that have been pro-family uh, uh, movements, appointments, and so on. So that's the, that's the first reason I voted for President Trump is because of what he has done. The second reason I voted for President Trump is because of what his opponents have done. And, and you know, beyond the whole, uh, with, the, with the coronavirus, we've seen the women's march and the looting and the destruction uh, with a lot of the quote-unquote peaceful protesting that has been rampant this year and the media saying nothing about these events being super spreaders or that it's mostly peaceful protests, meanwhile blasting the president and his events. There's zero consistency in our media today. It's no longer we report, you decide. It's we've decided, you believe us, we're unbiased, don't say anything about it. Michael Goodwin summarized this so well over at the New York Post, which, by the way, has endorsed President Trump following the incredible censorship they've seen on their work on the Hunter Biden issue. Uh, but he wrote a piece, Why I Voted for Trump and Why I Will Vote for Him Again. And he said it so well, I don't need to try and remake the wheel here because I agree with him 100% in, what, uh, in the point that he's trying, or that he makes, I should say, very well in this, uh, in this, uh, in this article. So in it, Godwin writes, or Goodwin writes, first, the primary yardstick of a president is whether he produces peace and prosperity. Trump achieved both until the pandemic sent the economy into recession. Thankfully, the recovery is happening and a vaccine should give it rocket fuel. Trump's most admirable trait is that he has kept his key promises. That is remarkable only because voters have too long tolerated politicians who sell one thing and deliver another. For all his flaws, the president has largely delivered what he has promised. An honest scorecard must also include the disparities in the state's performances with governors in New York, New Jersey, I dropped down in the article, by the way, and elsewhere issuing fatally flawed orders that led to thousands of unnecessary deaths in nursing homes. 
In addition, blue states that remain under stringent lockdowns have unemployment rates nearly twice as high as states where GOP governors move faster to reopen schools and businesses. Despite Trump's successes, or because of them, the many forces raised against him in 2016 refused to accept his presidency. They did everything they could to end it, and that beyond-the-pale defiance is the second reason why I will vote for him. The other side must not be rewarded for its efforts to sabotage and remove a duly elected president. Russia, Russia, Russia was a scam that ruined lives and put a cloud over the White House for nearly three years. The sequel was partisan impeachment, a clumsy coup attempt orchestrated by Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Trump haters in Congress, the deep state, and the media. The press corps' bias of 2016 has morphed into full-blown partisanship on a daily basis in print, digital, and broadcast outlets. Facebook, Twitter, and other platforms openly use their power to censor pro-Trump news and opinion while promoting anything that makes the president look bad. It's not the algorithms, it's the people behind them. Their decision to block the Post's groundbreaking reports on Hunter Biden's business deals and Joe Biden's involvement should scare anyone who treasures the First Amendment. To censors, Orwell's nightmare is their dream. All fairness has been abandoned in a frenzy to destroy Trump and everything he represents. This culture war extends backwards, too. The destruction of artwork celebrating Christopher Columbus, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and black and white abolitionists reveals a determination to erase America's founding ideals and replace individual liberty with socialism and identity politics. The New York Times error-ridden 1619 project, despite repudiation by historians, is nonetheless being adopted by many schools. Biden, in public life for nearly 50 years, falls in line with his party's radical wing by insisting that systemic racism stains the nation, especially law enforcement. Meanwhile, the spread of political violence and the refusal of many on the left to condemn Antifa and those who burn and loot emboldens a new criminal class of anarchists. Shamefully, Democrats, The Times, The Washington Post, CNN, and broadcast networks defend the unwarranted 2016 spying operation against Trump led by Jim Comey at the FBI and approved by the Obama-Biden White House. Although the top leaders of the storied agency were removed in disgrace, just one agent has been charged with the crime related to the dirtiest political trick in history. The outrageous endorsement by the media of the corruption of law enforcement and intelligence for partisan purposes is reason enough to vote for Trump. I believe much of the nation's discord can be traced to the Times' decision to become an activist propaganda sheet to defeat Trump. The most powerful influencer in the country, it has a trickle-down effect on nearly all media institutions. If the Grey Lady were to return to being a trusted source of news, others would follow and the country could return to more civil debates about our differences. Thus, the election is not just Trump versus Biden, it's also America versus the New York Times. Vote for America. Now that's Goodwin's take, and his article, There's More to It Than What I Read, but I agree with him 100%. The media and the left have lost their minds attempting to defeat the president over and over and over again since the 2016 election. So that's the second reason why I will vote to Trump because of vote or why I have voted for Trump is because of what his opponents have done. Reason number one is because of what he has done. He has accomplished a lot and he has kept his big promises. And number two, because of what his opponents has, have done. And last but certainly not least, number three, because of the alternative. Folks, the Democratic Party of today is not the Democrat Party of JFK. This election is not about whether or not you like Trump's personality. It is about which plan is better for America's future. Lisa Booth wrote an opinion piece over at the Hill. It's titled, The Best Case Against a Biden Presidency, Him. And it, it goes on and on. She says there's no meaningful case for his candidacy. His biggest argument is that he is the good guy in this election, which he describes as a battle for the soul of the nation. 
However, that facade was destroyed when the New York Post published his son's alleged emails. According to the Post reporting, those emails show Hunter Biden leveraging his last name to make millions of dollars from foreign actors while his father was vice president, and Joe Biden apparently knew about it. Last year, Joe Biden told the American people, I have never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings, yet the emails contradict that. If the, uh, and then it, it goes on, talks more about Hunter Biden, then it talks about Joe Biden's character running deeper than this issue, uh, how his campaign was launched on the falsehood about a 2017 rally in Charlottesville, um, and, uh, and how his record on race has been criticized by Democrats and others, how Kamala Harris attacked him over that record during their debates, um, which, and, and that record, by the way, includes working closely with Senate segregationists in the 1970s, eulogizing the late Senator Robert Byrd in spite of his past association with the KKK, and once saying that he didn't want his children to grow up in a racial, racial jungle uh, caused by tensions over desegregation uh, policies. And she, she goes, uh, she makes quite the case in this piece. It's the best case against a Biden presidency, him, by Lisa Booth over at the Hill. But I'm, I'm going to break it down and make it a little bit simpler for you, okay? Here are some reasons why I can't vote for Joe Biden. I don't want to pay more in taxes. And despite lie after lie after lie from Joe Biden and his supporters that say otherwise, if he follows through, if he keeps his promises, you will pay more in taxes. Firstly, because eliminating the tax cuts that Trump implemented benefited nearly every those those tax cuts benefited nearly every American taxpayer, particularly in the middle class. The middle class is not individuals making over four hundred thousand dollars a year, and if those tax cuts are taken away, we will pay more in taxes. Okay, if you got a tax break as a result of the Trump tax cuts, and Joe Biden removes the Trump tax cuts, you pay more in taxes. So it's it's not a matter of him saying, no, I'm not going to raise taxes on anyone. Make, no, if you are going to do what you say you're going to do, then you will. And it's not just it's not just his taxes. It's also his policies uh, that uh, that that mean we're going to pay more. I mean, it's not just his removing Trump tax cuts, but his policies mean you'll pay more in taxes because every time government spending increases, watch out. The government doesn't have any money. You have the money and they take it away from you via taxes to fund their programs. So every time Joe Biden touts a new program or a way he's going to do this or he's going to add so much money to this, where is the money coming from? It is coming from your pockets. Another reason I can't vote for Joe Biden is because I like the First Amendment and I really like freedom of speech. I don't like censorship. I have a radio program. <laughs> okay? But what the media has done for Biden with this Hunter garbage is absolutely unbelievable. Not to mention that the stuff coming off of that computer is just the tip of the iceberg. And I personally don't want a president who can and likely will be blackmailed over his son's uh, lewdness and very, very questionable past. Then you have Biden's health. The majority of Americans now do not think that Joe Biden is healthy enough to finish his first term. I do not know why Trump's health has been headline news for so long, but Joe Biden's health is just, oh, no, don't worry about it. He's just a forgetful grandpa. He's, isn't it cute? No, it's not cute. It is not cute. He's making a path for Kamala to be president, and that woman terrifies me, but I've talked about that in previous podcasts. Another reason I can't vote for Joe Biden is because I believe in the Second Amendment, and I don't think that it only applied to muskets any more than I think the First Amendment only applied to quill-tip pens. He won't give us a list of who he would appoint to the Supreme Court, let alone tell us if he'd pack the court, which Democrats seem very much intent on doing, especially now that Amy Coney Barrett has been confirmed. 
His website says his environmental policies would be largely based on and supportive of the Green New Deal. Not in so many words, but if you actually go and read it, you'll find it. And the Green New Deal has been repeatedly shown as an instrument that would bankrupt our country. It doesn't work. He said that he would institute a national lockdown and a national mask mandate. And I know some of you are really into this mask thing, but the fact of the matter is we've never done this before and we don't know the long-term health effects of having our children, having our, our general population walk around with a mask on all day. And no, stop with the whole, well, surgeons wear them to protect you. No, no, no. Surgeons don't wear masks all day. They put them on when they are going into the operation. They throw them away as they are leaving the room. And I believe, I, I could be wrong on this, so, so don't quote me. But if I'm wrong, let me know. I believe that extra oxygen is generally pumped into operating rooms, so that would make up for any oxygen they wouldn't be breathing generally because of the mask. I, I'm just saying. I also believe in legal immigration. And I understand that the American immigration system is one of the most generous in the world and that open borders are a very bad idea, which is why only 26 countries have open borders and that almost all of those 26 countries are part of the European Union, which operates more like our states. So everyone arguing that, oh, well, these European countries are all doing open borders successfully, that's not even a valid argument because they're operating more like states than like individual countries. And as for kids in cages at the border, first of all, Obama built the cages, and secondly, our president is exactly right when he says that many, if not most, of the kids that are there right now are being trafficked by the adults bringing them, uh, either as they're taken into the country uh, or as they're, uh, they have some nefarious scheme for them when they cross the border. Senator Lankford and uh, some other senators had written a USA Today piece talking about this and they said we allow 500,000 people each day to legally cross our southern border to shop work or do business in the United States we allow more than 700,000 people each year to legally become US citizens we have problems in our legal immigration system but we still allow hundreds of thousands to legally come each year however if we ignore our illegal entry problem we just help the cartels and ignore the real humanitarian crisis we can and must address the challenges at our border. It's time we stop child smuggling and human trafficking, fix the loopholes that exist in our immigration laws, and support the hardworking women and men of our federal law enforcement. That's spot on when it comes to immigration. That's not Biden's policy. That's not Harris's policy. Open borders are not the answer. And then, of course, there's the Electoral College issue, where I believe that the Electoral College is an important element of our elections and our republic. I think our founders instituted it for a reason, a very good reason, and we need to ensure that the little guys and the little states, that their voices are heard too, not just California and New York. I also believe that Israel not only has the right to exist, but that we as Americans should support Israel in every means possible. This is not a priority uh, for Joe Biden. Michael Ferris had a fantastic piece up on Facebook about why he's voting uh, for Donald Trump. He's the founder of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, HSLDA. If you don't follow him, I strongly encourage you to do so. He is a brilliant legal mind. Uh, but he said this about, uh, about Biden's, um, the, the, the thought of a Biden president and what Democrats will do if Joe Biden uh, is elected. 
and that is that Biden does, this is what Ferris said, he said, Biden does not have the strength or will to curb the radical contingency in the Democratic Party. For starters, his VP, Kamala Harris, is a certified extremist on virtually every issue that matters. And here's the biggest difference of all. In 2016, conservatives suspected what they would do to us if they seized power, but the Democrats tried to keep the full extent of their agenda hidden in the shadows. Now, we don't need to be fear-based on what we think they might secretly want to do. There is more than enough out in the open to give any liberty-loving American deep concern. For starters, the Equality Act is a declaration of war on the family, biology, religious freedom, common sense, and much more. And Biden has made it clear that this is a priority for him. Just take three examples as to what the Democrats hope to accomplish through the Radical Equality Act. Biological men who identify as women will be sanctioned to compete in athletics against biological women, destroying equal opportunities for women after years of working hard to achieve a form of parity. Churches and Christian schools will be required to hire employees who do not abide by or even support basic Christian doctrine on human sexuality and marriage. Religious medical professionals and religious institutions will be required uh, to engage in sex change surgeries and provide gender transition hormones against their conscience. And what about religious freedom, you ask? Won't that override the radical demands of the sexual anarchy agenda? The Religious Freedom Restoration Act would normally protect churches against such a federal command, but RFRA is overridden by the Equality Act, and current Supreme Court doctrine on the free exercise of religion is not nearly as robust as it needs to be. Let's say it plainly. The Democrats intend to permanently silence anyone who disagrees with their agenda. The mechanisms of government will be turned over to those who excused and even enabled rioters in cities across this nation and who remain sympathetic to the rioters' political agenda. Instead of firebombs, once inside the government, they will use the IRS and the vast power of federal agencies to seek to tear down those they oppose. Ultimately, official tyranny is more dangerous than riots. The increased danger posed by the left is sufficient to change my mind, but it's not the only factor. And we'll go back to him in just a minute. We're going to actually wrap up uh, with, uh, with some more of his piece. Because I could go on personally for quite a while here about reasons why I cannot vote for Joe Biden, but I, I want to finish with this one. And that is that I believe that life begins at conception. I believe that God is the creator and giver of life. I'm not a single-issue voter, but I could be. Even if President Trump hadn't accomplished anything, and even if I thought Biden was good on other issues, I simply cannot vote for someone who believes that abortion is normal or something to be encouraged or that it's not a human life that is being extinguished, that abortion is murder. And there's been quite a few Christian re leaders in recent days speaking up and saying essentially that the sin of pride is just as bad as murder, and so you can't vote for pride any more than you can vote for murder. And on one hand, I get that. But on the other hand, there's a big difference between aligning yourself with Hitler and aligning yourself with a five-year-old who just stole a candy bar from the gas station. Yes, all sin is sin, but the consequences of those sins are not the same. And I absolutely cannot and will not support someone who believes that murdering babies is okay. And Ferris did a great summary on this as well. He specifically addressed John Piper's uh, recent article, and he said this, Piper makes a fundamental error in his analysis and the comparison he does make, Trump's character versus Biden's policies. He equates the impact of a president as a negative role model of character with the impact arising from a president's official actions. These things are not equal. The impact is quite different. Trump's character flaws do not force anyone to sin. And to view Trump's character issues as the proximate cause of any sin patterns in our society lacks even a semblance of facial credibility. These sin patterns have been with us a long time and arise from many sources, including silence from many churches about the nature and character of sin. 
Piper does raise a good argument that Trump may influence some to sin, and he also makes a good point about the dangers of unqualified praise of Trump by some Christian leaders. Such actions may confuse people about the sinfulness of pride, etc. But that is a problem that those pastors are responsible for, not Trump. Biden's policies, however, would directly cause people to sin, and he would directly attack the church's ability to function freely. For example, Biden clearly thinks that the addition of Amy Coney Barrett puts Roe versus Wade in jeopardy. He is clearly intending to do something to fix this. He has said that he wants to ensure that states will be required to allow abortions up to birth. At a minimum, he will fill every Supreme Court vacancy with a justice absolutely committed to reinstating Roe, assuming it has been reversed before a vacancy occurs. But he's also clearly flirting with a court-packing scheme to fill the court with poor pro-abortion justices. That scheme will not require him to await a vacancy in order to pack the court with pro-abortion justices. Biden's official actions will directly authorize the death of millions of innocent babies by the power of law, and he will take taxpayer money to pay for their deaths. That is not the moral equivalent of Trump indirectly influencing some to become more prideful or engage in sexual sin. Biden has also promised to stop parents from being able to give their children Christian or secular counseling to overcome gender dysphoria or confusion. That is a component of the Equality Act. Biden even says that he supports parents getting treatment for children as young as 8 or 10 and has endorsed the Trevor Project, which advocates for youth to have free access to gender-affirming surgery. Prohibiting parents by the coercive power of law from rescuing their child from a sinful and unhealthy lifestyle is far more impactful than an indirect bad influence. At worst, Trump may influence some to choose to sin. Biden will actively use the force of law to prevent a parent from doing the right thing for their child. And we know from the book of James that the failure to do right is sin. Biden intends to force parents to sin. And Piper goes on, you really, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Remember George Bush, the elder? I'm, I skipped down a little bit, but I'm going to read a little more of Piper's, or I'm sorry, of Michael Ferris's uh, piece here. So remember George Bush, the elder, read my lips, no new taxes? Bush's repudiation of this promise revealed a deep character flaw, and it cost him his bid for re-election. And who can forget President Obama's promise, if you like your health plan, you'll be able to keep your health plan? That, too, revealed a significant character flaw. This line of reasoning influenced my view of Trump in 2016. I didn't believe Trump when he made promises. If he cheated on his wife, why should I trust him to keep his word once in office? That made sense to me in 2016. But I don't have to guess anymore. Trump has been in office, and he has done far better than most politicians in seeking to keep his promises. Keeping his promises is demonstration that he has had generally good character as president. Moreover, even if in some areas of his past bad examples in his personal life, he has done better while in office. Specifically, there has not been a hint of sexual sin while in office. One would think the press would be shouting it from the rooftops every hour on the hour if there was the slightest hint of current impropriety. And he goes on, but I, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm not going to continue it, but it's Michael Ferris. It's on his Facebook page. Uh, you should definitely go follow him, check it out, read that if you have not already. But uh, to summarize, for me, where I'm coming from, after much research, prayer, thought, conviction... Trump 2020 is not Trump 2016. And because the agenda is no longer hidden, because I know that as bad as Hillary would have been, Biden will be just as bad, if not worse, for family values because of what his party now represents. And because I know that when you destroy the family, you destroy the country. That's why I voted for Trump. One, because he's kept his promises and then some. Two, because of what the media and the left have done and become during his presidency. And three, because I cannot vote for Joe Biden. And I know some of you are going to throw in there, well, what about the third-party candidates? Well, for one thing, I don't have time to address the whole third-party candidate issue here today. Uh, but 
the reason specifically that I'm not choosing to go there today is because in 2016, I voted against Hillary Clinton. But in 2020, I voted for Donald Trump. And that's it. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. Great to have you with us. If you haven't already, be sure to like, subscribe, share, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at The Frittle. Let me know your thoughts and we can interact uh, together there. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget, get out and vote. Vote your values. And uh, we'll be back next week with maybe the election results or maybe we'll still be waiting. See you then.